And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament passage of Second Chronicles. It's found in the beginning part of your Bible, in the historical books. If you need it at the very beginning, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. So the book of 2 Chronicles in chapter number 33. 2 Chronicles in chapter number 33. <clears throat> There's different ways of studying your Bible. You could study the Bible expositionally, which is my preferred method of being able to take the Bible verse by verse a line upon line, you could study the Bible through its books. So take an entire book and study it through, survey it. You could study the Bible by its great themes. There's major themes throughout the Bible. The, the, uh, <clears throat> the scarlet thread of redemption, the golden thread of Christ's second coming. You could study the Bible by its topics. You could study specific topics of the Bible. What does the Bible say about angels? What does the Bible say about heaven? What does the Bible say about hell? You can study the Bible by its words, take words of the Bible, and to be able to study them out and see how they're used throughout the scriptures. Then there's one of my favorite ways to study the Bible, and it's studying the Bible by its characters. By actually taking a character and examining that character's life, and to be able to draw out a principle or, or something we can see from his life to apply in our life. And that's what we're going to do today, is we're going to do a character study on a major king of Israel, or of Judah. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, let's see this man's life in Second Chronicles, chapter number 33. Second Chronicles, chapter number 33. And notice with me, starting at verse 1. Second Chronicles 33 and verse 1, the Word of God says this, Manasseh was twelve years old when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem. But did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up altars for Balaam, and made groves, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served them. Also he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said in Jerusalem, Shall my name be for ever. And he built altars for the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dwelt with a familiar spirit and with wizards, and he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made, in the house of God, which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, would I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed for your fathers, so that they will take heed to all that I have commanded them according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel." 
And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Wherefore the Lord brought them upon the captains of the host of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns, and bound him with fetters, and carried him away to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed unto him, and was entreated of him, and heard his supplication, and brought him again to Jerusalem unto his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord He was God. And with the Lord's help, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in 2 Chronicles 33? 2 Chronicles 33, in verse number 13, the last phrase, knew that the Lord was God. Knew that the Lord was God. And with the Lord's help, I want to preach that exact thing here, doing a character study of Manasseh's life. Knew the Lord was God. God knew the Lord was God with the Lord's help let's go to together and let's pray dear heavenly father thank you so much again as we come up to you and I'm just asking as we open up the Bible that it would come alive in a special way but I'm also asking that you'd give me wisdom and discernment that I give you my tongue my thoughts my ambitions my desires and that I give them to you and that you would guard my mouth help me to say the things that I ought to say and refrain me from saying those things that I shouldn't say I'm asking that you would get your glory and honor from this, that you would help someone in here tonight, to this morning. Maybe there's someone that does not know for sure that they're going to heaven. They've never had it settled. I'm praying that they too can know the Lord, that He is God. Help us today. Once again, I don't even dare try to attempt to preach this on my own. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you. And ask that you fill me with your precious spirit and that you would get your own work accomplished through your word today. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He knew that the Lord, he was God. The first thing I'd like to show you as we study Manasseh's life from this passage here is the abomination of the heathen. The abominations of the heathen. Now let's look and see this man's life. Now his daddy was Hezekiah, who was considered a very godly man. You might remember at the end of Hezekiah's life that God told Isaiah the prophet to go and talk to Hezekiah and say, set your house in order because you're going to die. And Hezekiah went down and he prayed and said, God, please spare me, spare me, let me not die. And Hezekiah was in the court court, uh, yard getting ready to go and God said, stop, turn around and tell him that I heard him. So it goes back, and God extended the life of Hezekiah 15 years. Keep that number in mind, 15 years. He was going to die, but God extended his life 15 years. Notice as we see the abomination of the heathens, chapter uh, 2 Chronicles 33 and verse number 1. Manasseh was 12 years old. When he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem. You know, Manasseh was born in that fifteen year period that God extended Hezekiah's life. So Hezekiah was going to die, and if he had died at the time that he was appointed, Manasseh wouldn't have been born. But he was during this time, and he reigned fifty five years. Manasseh reigned longer than any other king of Israel or Judah. He reigned 55 years. That's a long time. And that's a lot of influence that he had. Now notice, as we go on, verse 2. But, 
So, but, Manasseh, he was 12 years old, he began to reign, but he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before his children. You'd almost think that this child who grew up in godly Hezekiah's life, who who was an answer, who was born in this answer of prayer, you'd almost think that Hezekiah would have... uh, (laughs) that would have trained him a little bit better, that there would be something different in his life. But the problem was, is that when Hezekiah got in trouble in that 15 years, and God said, this is going to happen to your kids, and this is what's going to happen here, Hezekiah said, it's good in the sight of the Lord, as long as there's peace in my day. Peace in my day. You know, there's a lot of parents who have that same attitude. My kids can listen to whatever they want. I'm not going to fight with them. I'm not going to argue with them as long as there's peace in my house. I'm going to let my kids do whatever I want. I'm going to let them make their own decisions. I'm going to let them choose for themselves as long as there's peace in my house. And because he chose that route, we have King Manasseh, who when he grew up and he began to, as a young man, he's 12 years old, And guess what? He acts like a heathen. And he starts acting and behaving just like the heathen do. The abominations of the heathen. Now, it's not just anything. It's the abominations of the heathen. He begins to reign. Now, of course, it just doesn't happen when he's 12. But it begins at 12 and it just expands and gets worse and worse and worse. Just because during that time span, Hezekiah said, I just want peace in my house. I'm not going to fight him. You know, it takes a lot of fight to train a child right, to direct them in the way that they ought to go. And some people quit and say, that's fine. They just do whatever they want as long as I have peace right now. You choose to have the peace right now and the broken heart later or do the work now and rejoice in their life later. But notice as we go on. But he did which was evil in the sight of the Lord like to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. What did he do? For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up altars for Balaam, and made groves, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served them. Notice as we start out here, Manasseh chose the abominations of the heathen. His daddy was a godly guy. He got rid of the false churches and the false idols, and he got rid of the stuff out of the kingdom. But Manasseh, he said, no, 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 let's bring them back. And let's not serve this Jehovah God. Let's go after Balaam. Let's serve this guy and this guy and this guy. These other guys, they're just as good as God. Let's serve them. And he began to serve the other false gods. Notice as he goes on, he reared up altars and made groves. You say, what's so wrong about groves? Aren't they trees? Yes, but groves used in this time is where people would worship their gods by, by doing sexual acts. And so whenever you see groves mentioned in the Bible, for the most part, they're not a good thing. They're a place where sexual acts are done in the name of worship to these false gods. So Hezekiah sets them up, basically sets them up, and they have temple priestesses, which you get to hire and get to do uh, things in name of worship of their gods, horrible things. He sets those things up. Then he worships all the host of heaven and served them all. This is horrible things. Now notice in verse number four. It says, and he built altars 
in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all of the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Verse 7, And he set a carved image of the idol which he had made in the house of God. And the God it uh, goes on and God says how important this temple is. Let's say, for example, what happens here. Manasseh not only sets up false churches and false altars where people could worship, he sets up groves where nasty, horrible things can happen. He actually goes into the temple, which is where God's house is, and he goes and he sets up false idols inside of the temple. It'd be, for example, this church here. That what happens is that the king comes and he says, you know what, what I'm going to do is I want to transform everything here. So instead of a cross or instead of pictures of Jesus or holy symbols, let's put a Buddha here and let's put a, um, uh, a Krishna here and let's put up some of these pagan gods of, of Egypt and let's put some uh, gods from the Hindu religion here and on the back we're going to put a big symbol of Allah back there. Now wouldn't that be horrible to someone do that in a church? It's almost unspeakable. Well, that's exactly what... Hezekiah or um, Manasseh did inside of the temple of God where God said this is where my name is going to be at this is a place for my name Manasseh went in there and started redecorating the place and set up a place where you could go worship this God here and you could go worship this God here and over here you could worship this God that's pretty horrible what he did but this is only touching the surface what else did he do notice in the middle of verse number six It says, he observed the times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dwelt with familiar spirits and with wizards and he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord. So what else did he did? He depended on astrology. You know, some people still depend on their horoscopes. They can't do anything unless they look at the horoscopes. The old uh, Beatles singer John Lennon got to the place where if his horoscope told him not to leave the hotel that day, he wouldn't leave. Some people are controlled by that. That's exactly what Manasseh is doing. He's saying, tell me the future. Tell me what's going to happen. Use me, uh, show me the symbols and signs. He started using witchcraft and going to wizards and say, do this. Why do they go to those things? Because they deny the power of God. God has more power than any of those things combined. But they don't go to God. They try to get this power from somewhere else because they don't want to submit to God. Notice what else he did in verse number six, the beginning of it. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Now, outside of Jerusalem, they didn't have waste management. They didn't have someone that would come and pick up the recyclables and throw out their trash cans and then go drive it away wherever they put it. What they did is Jerusalem is built on a hill and around it, it had several valleys. And one of these valleys of the valley of Hinnom is where they threw their trash. And they had to go somewhere, and so they, someone started throwing the trash out, and next thing you know, the whole city's throwing it up. And after hundreds of years, guess what? The trash gets stacked pretty high. Someone, someone says, well, we got to get rid of the trash. Let's burn it. And so they set it on fire. And so what happened outside of Jerusalem in the Valley of Hinnom, which is nearby, literally there is an eternal burning trash heap that doesn't stop burning. It's continually burning. It continues to burn in Jesus' time. Later on, when someone says, Jesus, what is hell like? He says, come here. You see that valley here, the valley of Hinnom, where the fire doesn't stop and the worm dieth not? 
That's what hell is like. They weren't confused at all about what hell was like. He said, come here, let me show you. Smell that. That's what hell smells like. Look at the fire. It doesn't stop. This was known as the eternal uh, trash heap. It was constantly burning and had literally been on fire for literally hundreds of years, just burning and burning and burning. So Jesus was very easy to say, that's what hell is like. Well, Manasseh used it a different illustration, a different way. What they did in the Valley of Hinnom, this eternal uh, trash heap, what he did is in worship to Molech, another god, what they did is they put a big statue, a statue near the trash pit. Then what they had is a big rolling slide that would go through the open mouth of this, of this, tra- of this god into the trash pit. And Manasseh took his own babies and he rolled them down the slide. And the child would go through the open mouth of that God, that false God, and fall into the trash pit. And there that baby would perish. And he believed that if he would sacrifice his children to this false God, that this false God would grant him favor and grant him much power. Now, of course, no one can stand the 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 sound of a child screaming. So what they would do is they also called this valley the Valley of Tophet, the banging of the drums. And while they would do this ceremony where they would roll the babies down this slide, they would be beating on the drums and be hitting it so hard to drown out the screams and the cries of these children. No wonder the Bible says he did like the abominations of the heathen. These are abominations. These are horrible things that should not even be thought of, much less done. It is an abomination to have the house of the Lord defiled. You know, the Nazis did that same thing. In um, the 1930s and 1940s, inside of any church in Nazi Germany, they had to remove the Bible and they had to have displayed Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, My Struggle. Instead of having a cross, they had to have the Nazi swastika. Instead of having Christian baptisms, they had baptisms where little children were baptized into the Nazi party. And that was done by law in all churches in Germany. That's a horrible thing to think about. That someone could come into a church. By the way, that happened in the 20th century. That someone could come and replace all of those things. That's what Manasseh did. It's a horrible abomination to think this man, instead of relying on God, went to these other gods and sought power. It is a definite abomination. And it is still a horrible abomination to sacrifice children because of sin. And that's exactly what he has done. You look at this king and say, how horrible this guy is. All the things. Notice what God says about this commentary in verse number 6. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. And he also observed the times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dwelt with a familiar spirit and with wizards and wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice this, to provoke him to anger. This idea of provoking him to anger carries the idea, let's put a picture, of taking a stick and poking a lion through a cage, making him angry, doing it on purpose. You know, Manasseh was doing it for the purpose of getting God angry. He was purposely saying, yeah, God, what are you going to do about it? 
He knew exactly he was turning his back on God. He says, leave me alone. Don't talk to me. I've got this. And he did things on purpose to make God angry. Almost said, what are you going to do about it? Leave me alone. He did much to provoke God to anger. So notice, what does God do? Notice as we go on in verse 9. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. That's a big saying. You know, Manasseh led the people to look and act worse than the other heathen on the outside. That's exactly what he was leading him to do, where people will say, well, I'm one of God's children. But you do that? What a horrible testimony that is for God's people to act worse than the heathen. Do you know that the lost people, people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, know how to live, know what Christians are supposed to do more than Christians do? If you ask a lost person, someone who's not saved, someone who doesn't go to church, and say, what should a Christian do? They'll say they're supposed to read their Bible, they're supposed to go to church, they're supposed to pray, they're supposed to give money, they're supposed to tell others about it. You ask a lost person what a Christian's supposed to do. You ask a Christian what they're supposed to do. I don't know, I just do whatever I want, and God loves me as I am. It's almost like you get saved and you forget what we're supposed to do. It doesn't change. Lost people know how we're supposed to live better than Christians know how we're supposed to live. But here's God's people, the Jewish people at this time, And they're living worse than the heathens. And they're doing abominations. They're doing things that the heathens would say, I'd never do that. What a horrible testimony. We see the abominations of the heathen. And all of it is provoking God. So what is God's response? Does he say, let's wipe them out? No, you see, we have a loving God who's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That God still wants them still to be saved, still wants to forgive their sins. Notice, if you wouldn't mind... The next thing, not only the abominations of the heathen, but we see the agreeing not to hearken. The agreeing not to hearken. Notice verse number 10. And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. You know what God is doing? God still loves Manasseh. He still wants, even though this guy has done so much to provoke God, he's doing abominations, God still wants to forgive him of his sins. I had someone ask me once, can someone who's committed abominations, can they get saved? Someone who, who commits, a, does a, abortion, someone who, who, who harms a child, someone who may uh, rape or murder, can they get saved? You know, according to this passage, God's not willing that any shall perish. He still, even though they've done so much to make God angry, God says, I'm still willing to give you forgiveness. There's no one too far gone that God is not willing to save. And God sent a messenger. He had one of the best preachers of that time, Isaiah. Isaiah is about 90 years old. This man who advised Hezekiah godly, this man who had been used to pray and see miracles, this man had been used... He goes up to Hezekiah, or to Manasseh, and says, Manasseh, what you're doing is wrong. Manasseh, God's not happy with this. Manasseh, just get right and God will take you back. Manasseh! And you know what Manasseh and his people did? They agreed together to say, let's not listen to him. In fact, they went a step further according to tradition. What they did is they put 
90-year-old Isaiah, who had been used of the Lord, they put 90-year-old Isaiah into a hollowed-out log. And then they took a big, long saw, and they sawed him asunder. And they cut the wood while Isaiah was still in it. Once again, don't you think that would provoke God to anger even more? Here, this godly Isaiah, 90 years old. And they disregard him and said, we don't want you and we don't want your God. Leave us alone. And they killed him. You say, you're not giving us much hope here. This isn't a good story. This is a horrible guy. And he is a horrible guy. But you know, God is not willing that any shall perish when all should come to repentance. God still is willing to save to the uttermost, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone. Notice this last thing, the affliction to humble. The affliction to humble. Notice with me verse number 11. Wherefore, so that word wherefore, you're supposed to look up. So because of all of this, because Manasseh did evil, because God still wanted him to get saved, and he sent a preacher, but he still rejected. So because of all of this, the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Now, if the word Assyria in the Bible doesn't put a chill down your, throat, your back, then maybe you don't know a lot about Assyria. The Assyrians were the Nazis of the ancient world. And I use that word purposely. Because literally the things that the Nazis did, the Assyrians had done before them. The good kings. Now, I'm just going to say what the good kings bragged about. The good kings, when they would go and conquer a city, they would take the heads of all of the warriors that fought against them and they would set up a pyramid of their heads outside of the city just to say, we were here. What they would do is they would fillet people alive. We'll talk more about that in Jonah tonight. They would actually fillet people alive. They would actually skin people while they were still alive and take their skin and they would stretch their skin out on the outside of the walls and cover their entire walls with the skins of their victims. Doesn't sound like good people. By the way, did you know the Nazis did that? If you had a tattoo that they liked, they would actually take the person with that tattoo, skin them and use their their. Uh, skin as lampshades and make them lampshades and other covers for it. Nazis did the same thing. The Assyrians, the Nazis of the ancient world, would actually take babies and throw them up in the air and allow their archers to do target practice using them. The Nazis did the same thing, by the way, with the Jewish kids. They would throw them up in the air and allow their people to shoot them. You say, those are horrible people. Yep, and you know what God did? He had the Assyrians come. And they took Manasseh, put him in chains. This king, they put him in chains, took off his shoes, took off all clothing except bare essentials, and they made him march thousands of miles from Jerusalem to Babylon. And being the Nazis of the ancient world, when they put him in prison, it wasn't a nice, cushy American prison. It was a place where he was tortured, a place where he didn't know what was going to happen. But you know, God is still watching over this man. Notice as it goes on, verse 12. And when he was in affliction, he was being afflicted, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. You know, 
He still had in mind what Isaiah or some other preacher had said in his mind. He rejected it, but he still remembered Isaiah saying, if you would just humble yourself and come to the Lord, He would forgive you. If you would just accept Him, He would forgive you of all of your sins. Why Hezekiah, or Manasseh is being tortured? It's going back through his mind. God will still take me back. If I just humble myself, God will take me back. God still loves me. You know, it took a lot of humbling after all he did to provoke God and say, God, leave me alone and shake his fist and say, watch this. I'm going to do this now. What are you going to do about it? It took a lot of humbling for him to say, all right, God, I'm sorry. I was wrong and you were right. Notice what happens. God blesses, verse 13, and prayed unto him and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication. So God heard his prayer and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. So somehow God said, Assyrians, let him go. This man who had been their prisoner, the Assyrians let him go. He comes back and becomes king again. And he says, look, God answered prayer. God worked. And he knew that he, the Lord, was God. Manasseh changed his way. The next several verses talk about how Manasseh goes and tries to fix the damage he did after 55 years. But it was a little too late. The good news is that he has a grandson by the name of Josiah who's used of God to reform the land. And he had that influence by his granddaddy, Manasseh after he got right with God. He had that influence. So what are you trying to say? You say, you're just trying to give the worst story you possibly can and try to tell it? No. What I'm trying to say is that it doesn't matter what you've done. I was dealing with a man who was a Vietnam veteran and I would work with him and he says, I believe what you say is true. I believe that if I came to him, the problem is, is I can't forgive myself. If I can't forgive myself, why can I, why should I allow God to forgive me? I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if it was a little sin or if it was a big sin. God is willing to forgive you of anything you have ever done. The Bible makes it simple. He says that heaven's a perfect place, but we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, God loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to encourage you that if God is willing to save Manasseh, there's nothing that you have done that God is not willing to forgive you of. He's willing to forgive you of anything. You may have something that you've been holding on in the past, something that you just can't get over. Let me tell you, God is willing to forgive it and to wash it away. It, you, there's no one who can outsin God's forgiveness. You know, even Adolf Hitler, who's what we consider one of the greatest villains of our recent history, if he would have bowed his head and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior, God still would have saved him. In fact, let me give you this encouragement, that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you'll get to see Manasseh up in heaven. You'll get to talk to Manasseh. You're going to say, what is it to be forgiven of so much? And he'll be able to tell you what a great God he has. That he was a horrible sinner, the chiefest of sinners. He had done so much and he hated God. 
but God was still willing to forgive him. And there was a time in his life where he bowed his head and he accepted God's free gift of forgiveness. And God changed his life. And he knew that the Lord, he was God. What I want to give you encouragement this morning is that if you don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you don't know 100% sure that you are forgiven of your sins, you don't know 100% sure that you're going to heaven, let me tell you that you can know because of what the great God that we serve, He is willing to forgive you of everything you have ever done. He's that great of a God. He's willing to forgive it. He's willing to hold it so He will not hold it against you and the glories of heaven that you'll be able to go in. That's what a great God that we have. He's willing to save to the uttermost. If you just let him.